0: Hi, this is Relop. This is what happened last time. We spent the evening with Cody Stamper and his band of smugglers. They call themselves the Kilderkin. We talked about whether or not we were going to attend the masquerade party and steal the bourbon cast for our host. I'm still not quite sure what the plan is. I got some of the spell scrolls I arranged with Renwell. Merc got his torch back, and we discovered a chamber underground with walls lined with elven faces. We asked the barkeep at the watery mink if he knew anything about the faces and judging by his shocked reaction, I think he does.
1: So, Holg, you're standing at the bar at the Watery Mink, and you just asked Logan about these faces you saw in stone underground, and he seemed to have some foreknowledge of these things. He seemed, in fact, surprised that you had seen them.
2: Then he had basically just made a comment to other
1: patrons that we
2: have seen the faces.
1: He said it aloud, but he was kind of like, what? You've seen those? Yeah. I want to elaborate a bit on that. Kind of looks around, you know, there's a, just a couple of patrons in here at the, at the moment. He says, well, you had a token they gave you to go in, right? When you went downstairs?
3: Uh, yeah.
1: Did you show it to a stone face?
3: Yeah, we showed it to the stone face and he said, go left and only left.
1: But not to one of the elven ones that you were talking about. No. He's kind of chewing on it, like kind of processing. And he says, so Cody and some of his compatriots kind of discovered some of these ruins underneath the town and I think it's part of why they can do what they do go unnoticed but the rumor is that there's more of these heads specifically I've heard tales of these elven heads some leftover from whatever was here long ago but the word is I don't think Cody would ever tell you this they know some things and if you ask him nicely they can bestow some knowledge on you now I don't know exactly what that's supposed to mean but what I do know is that these things don't show themselves to everyone. Cody's always thought of himself as sort of special because he's figured the workings of the underground. But if they're looking to show themselves to you, that's interesting. Hmm. If you see him again, I would be interested to see what they tell you.
2: Yeah, i have to keep an eye open.
1: You know what they say, some of the best answers come from low places.
2: <laughs> that they do. Turn and look to the rest of them but- we want to go back down and try to find these faces again?
3: Not particularly.
2: I'm I'm curious now.
3: What do we hope to gain by talking to these faces?
2: Well, I mean, there's a chance of insight with air quotes there. And I guess we can see what maybe that
4: means. Don't we have more important things to be preparing for?
3: I'm kind of a fan on this one.
4: Okay. If it was related specifically to the party or to what's happening in the city, then absolutely, but... I've already got a lot of things to do today and prepare for. What if we get stuck down there and we can't go to this party? We lose our chance. So valid. I'm not saying we can't come back and try later, but as of right now, we should keep our head forward.
2: Okay. as we do have the opportunity to
4: satisfy my curiosity down the road. All right. So what is the plan for you guys getting this rickshaw?
3: Convince the rickshaw driver for my uncle to take the night off, whether it's a bribe, Or forcibly. How are you finding them? You should have a a guy on staff. And you know which one it is? I've met him once a couple years ago, yes. All right. So where are we
4: setting up this ambush to where I can try to dispel?
3: Well, there's this alley, and I'll describe where it's at, because Merc would know, but Hudson would not.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a few different places you can think of that would be on the way to Strongroom Manor from the Valens Manor. It probably wouldn't be unheard of for them to go through a park, too. There's a private park there.
3: I guess we're hitting them in the park. it will be nice and quiet there. I mean, the spell should only take, what, a couple minutes?
4: It should just take a few moments. I just need to be able to see them and be within range and attempt to remove the effect. Well, for this one, I need to touch them, though, so I would need to get close.
3: I might be a bit of a challenge because Huey is the son of the swordsman that trained the swordsman that trained you guys. All right.
5: I can dispel magic as well, so if I need to do
3: it, I can. I think Relop would be better at it, if he's got that spell figured out yet.
0: I just finished it. I should be able to give it a shot.
4: Alright, is there anything else you all need before the party? I'm going to cross the bridge in the disguise, and I can grab us any supplies or outfits or anything that we need to make an appearance at this party. I don't know how you guys are planning to attend, but...
2: I think I was trying to uh, blend in as the help, so...
3: I was planning on not going, because, uh...
2: Masquerade
3: ball, though, isn't it? Sure! But, you know, better safe than sorry. There's not really a huge need for me to be there, especially if we can get my uncle cleared before the masquerade, because then he can point out the individuals to Zan.
4: All right, so plan A is to... Hopefully get your uncle to join us and then he can escort me through the party to get the people that we need cleared done. But if that doesn't work, what's plan B?
3: Well, I imagine plan A will make plan B burn the city down. and What? I worded that poorly. If things don't go well on plan A, we will now have a very angry captain of the guard on our hands. So I would fully expect we might have to go with a more direct route to getting this all done, which may result in the city getting burnt down because, you know, wood. Well, let's try to avoid
4: that if we can. Is everyone going to meet me in this alleyway then? And at what time should I arrive?
3: That does present a problem in the itinerary. Let's see. Well, my uncle's a punctual man, so he'll want to show up right at the peak of the party, not when everybody shows up.
4: Fashionably late?
3: Yeah. Yeah. But that's because of his wife. He would probably show up at the start of party and leave early. I know the type. He always said, happy wife, happy life. I'll
4: just wait at the alleyway when the party starts. I will wait until you arrive. Sounds reasonable. Is everyone else going to be there or is anybody else doing anything different? Holger, are you infiltrating in with the help? Beforehand? Yeah,
2: that's the goal. I think I'm going to go and try to work with the help.
4: Do you need to- someone with you?
2: I'm um, going to look around a little bit. Uh, and nah, I think everyone else is a little less than subtle.
4: How about any of these entrepreneurs around us?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no. Nah.
4: All right. Lucan and Relop, you know some what you're going to do?
3: Well, Lucan is coming with me because he's going to be the Rickshaw guy.
4: Right. You're not going to. He is because your uncle would recognize you. Correct. So what's Relop going to do?
0: I can hang out with the whole, I should be able to blend in. Hmm. Unless you need to do what you're doing so long.
4: Nah, I think it
2: actually might be a good idea. We might be able to generate a distraction if we need it.
3: Okay. Listen, until we go to plan B, try not to burn anything down.
4: Have a slow smile start to spread. A good tip for all of you, actually. Let's keep it in mind. All right, well, I'll meet you in this alleyway near sundown. Merc
3: gives a thumbs up.
4: Zan will put her masked helmet on and start making her way out of the bar.
3: How much longer do you need, Relop? I'm all ready to go. Should be able to get a few Dispels off if needed. So the question is, do we burn some favor with coding the ferry across the river?
2: Yeah, I think that's going to be our, one of our best bets. I mean, that's a
1: starting point for us.
3: Hey, Logan, can you set up the ferry across the river for us so we actually have to talk to somebody?
1: He says, well, if you want me to contact somebody, I can send word to him. Maybe a gold or two in it for me?
3: Sure. Give him a platinum.
1: Oh, huh. well, thank you. I'll send somebody for Cass. Cass can get you across. He'll try to talk you up a little bit, but he'll be discreet. Talk up?
3: What do you mean?
1: Well, you know, he's got personality. All right. He kind of starts writing a little something on some parchment in front of him and rolls it up. Has a little bell, actually, and he shakes it. And somebody comes from one of the side tables. Hands it to him and says, Get this to Cass. When you go down to the docks, you're going to go past the fish markets. I would make a wide berth of them if I were you. You're looking for a craft called the Jewel. That's Cass's skiff, and he'll get you across.
3: Sure, sure. So if we're going to meet him there, let's wait about five minutes and go.
1: As you're waiting, a hooded figure walks into the tavern, not horribly tall. And you can barely see his face as he walks in. And he's got kind of a big bundle behind him. Almost like Santa Claus or something, right? Like it's this big bag full of something. And he comes in and kind of whips it around and lands it at his feet. Puts his hood up. Like he doesn't actually take his hood off, but he kind of makes it so you can see his face. And it's Tim Stamper. I don't know exactly why I'm getting these things. I don't really want to know. But my brother said to bring you some. Oh, uh, well, you'll see. Can't stay.
5: Yeah. Get to see you too, man. Lukana we'll kind of walk over to the bag because he thinks he knows what it is. Uh, what's he see?
1: It's basically a bunch of like costumes, masks and kind of fancy clothes, doublets, hose. There's a couple of dresses in there. Okay, not what he thought it was going to be.
5: <laughs> 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 he says, well, here you guys go. Opens up the bag.
2: If I'm trying to blend with the help, I'm pretty sure this is
3: not what I need to be looking through. The help might be just up. Uh, you could also just be a random person running around on the back with the help.
1: It's uh, not uncommon for the help to wear masks as well. The nobility among you would probably know that. Like everybody's masked. Okay. Doesn't mean you'd have super fancy clothes or anything, but at least a little mask.
4: You guys were going to wait and go. Zan, do we want sure. to share what you're doing out there? She's making her way to the bridge to cross to phinnes Mask's down, she's in the purple coat with the breastplate armor type. She's got the flail on her hip, not the sword. The sword's in the bag. Still has the shield, but then the mask is down, and she's going to try the uh, bounty hunter ID, the forgery that they made for her. As you get closer, you do see where the fish markets are a bustlin' and there's
1: lots of barrels being moved off of skiffs and onto wagons and things like that. You do notice, Zan, a good percentage of what look like adventuring types. There's lots of people that look like they don't really fit with all of the laborers down here, mm-hmm. people work in the rivers, and they all take interest in you as you come by. Nobody really addresses you or anything like that, but seem to be interested in this golden
4: masked figure. Sure. Plus, Merc did warn me about those people down at the fish market to try to avoid them. Is sure. there any way for me to work around them to get onto the rise to where the bridge goes? Or do well, I have to kinda, go through them to get
1: there? That's, that's why nobody's bugging you, because you're, keep, you're keeping a wide berth. You're not, like, walking right through them all. Okay. You know, you're sort of seeing things <laughs> from afar. Just want to
4: make sure I wasn't doing something dumb.
1: No, no. <laughs> all right, so you easily find the bridge, because there's really only one that spans the bridge. You know, there's probably a few other pontoons and things that they set up when they need it. You can see that that's probably the case along the shore in a couple spots, but there's only one sort of permanent bridge. It does have a shack next to it on this side where possibly a bridge tender might be. And it does look like there's some sort of apparatus to raise the bridge and things like that when they need it, but nobody's in there. And so you kind of stand there for a minute and maybe give it a little thought and then you just see a couple people just start walking that direction. And you can see on the far end of the bridge there is guards of some sort. So it looks like they don't really deal much with securing this side. They just apparently want to know what you're coming into to finish for.
4: She'll have the forged papers ready as she approaches them.
1: Good stream of logs coming down today underneath you. Kind of shakes the bridge a few times as they sort of rattle below you. Very strong fishy smell and the air is really cool and crisp as it comes along the water. As you get up to the other side, there are what you can only assume are silver swords based on what you saw with the group that you fought outside. They have these cross swords as their symbol and red cloaks
4: that they wear with silvered armor. And who might you be? She'll hold up the paper and just hand it to him, saying nothing. Ugh. So
1: you go into the wine gardeners tonight. Just a nod. Hmm. Another guy goes, probably the entertainment. Kind of grin at each other for a second. She'll turn and stare at that guy. What a mask you have there. Doesn't talk much, apparently. They're sort of joking to each other. Hand you back your papers. Laws apply here. Probably heard some as you came in. And they just sort of dismiss you. Let you pass. Goes right by all right this side is speckled with large manors. seems to be the major landmarks here are these big keeps and they all kind of look different you know there's one that's a big tall wooden tower there's another one that is surrounded with wooden bears just sort of car almost like gargoyles just carved into everything there's another one that is actually made of stone and another one that has a lot of like marble statuary. And everybody's kind of got their own calling card, I guess, here, it seems, when it comes to the nobility. And in the middle of town, there seems to be, or uh, this part of town anyway, there seems to be a large private park. And they, they basically want to see your identification again. And you, if you wanted to go in, it seems you could probably just show paper that you just handed because it's going sort of giving you a reason to be in this area. Around the park, there are several permanent shop. And so these are probably going to be the more
4: high-end shops in town. All right. First thing she's going to do is going to attempt to find where this alleyway is that Merck pointed out to her. She just wants to get her mind of where that is in comparison to everywhere else. And then she'll make her way back to the market.
1: The alleyway that he talked about, he called it Behind the Menagerie. You didn't really know what that meant until you got here. And there is, it's a series of buildings that cage animals. And you know that you're not supposed to have big animals here, but apparently that doesn't apply for this menagerie. You can hear wild cats and some sort of ape or something kind of as you go by but there's an alleyway behind some of those buildings where they might bring up a cart and bring in feed or something like that. On the other side of the alleyway is a vintner that takes up a good section of the north side of this town and it's called 20 Talent Vintner. It's also sort of a loading area for them in which warehouses or barns or something on that side. If you found what he's talking about, there's animals
4: on one side and sort of warehouse on the other. All right. From there, she'll try to make her way to where the party is and then make her way back to the market, just getting those three points of interest sure. in her mind so she knows where she's going. And, you know, it's on the invitation, too. It's, it's called Strong Room Manor, it, and it is the
1: home of the wine winegarners, and it's actually pretty close to the river, in fact. It's one of them. It kind of overlooks the rest of Wood's End. From what you can see, that alleyway makes a lot of sense to sort of bring traffic through, towards if they were going to that place. And I'm sorry, what else, what was the other thing? And then just to the market, to that
4: park, market area. Yep,
1: yep, market park is what it's called. It's a very manicured area, city park, part marketplace. Most buildings are very brightly painted cottages along cobblestone trails. There's actually a lot of cobblestone in this town and everything's sort of lined with trees and flowers. You can see they've got a book stall, they've got a confectionery which smells really great. There is called the Dexters which looks to be like a weaving or clothing textiles type of thing. There's a place called the Haberdashery which sells lots of small wares and clothing and hats and things like that. There's a place called Resplendent Rocks which is a jewelry shop. There's a butcher and then like I said the Vintner is nearby and so they have a wine shop there as
4: well. 20 talents. she go to whichever clothes shop has the fanciest looking dresses.
1: Definitely, the haberdashery has a lot of that kind of thing. When you go in, the uh, person that runs the place reminds you a lot of the the High Orc in Fire's Heart. This sort of foppish, lisping High Orc with very, very fancy clothing on and sort of lots of like ribbons. And he wants to know if how he could help you. It looks as though. He's a little standoffish with this mask staring at him. Mm -hmm. You know, is there anything I can do for you? This too, you see, it's a little bit of a general store as well. It's not just clothing, but that seems to be their bread and butter. I've been
4: invited to a party tonight and I'm new here. Perhaps I can purchase a dress for this occasion. Oh, it's like (laughs) he wasn't sure exactly,
1: you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yes. Well, uh, um, we certainly have lots of wares. We, in fact, have silk, if you are interested in certain things in satin. Walks you over and shows you all these different
4: places. And, of course, he's the tailor here, and so he would be able to help fit you. And She's going to ask for something with a high neck and long sleeves because she plans to wear the mithril chain shirt under it.
1: Yeah, they definitely have that. They have a lot of dresses that kind of wrap around, clasp in the front perfect and they're pretty nice like you haven't seen this kind of worksmanship with tailoring since prince holm
4: under the masks she's admiring them but she's trying to remain kind of emotionless while walking through them and will choose whichever one she likes best and okay. and pay certain for it color. Mm, i don't want to give myself away by doing purple so no whatever's available is fine she knows she's kind of in a rush there's a kind of a deep emerald
1: green that perfect. kind of jumps out at you
4: yeah she'll do that one then otherwise she's just going to familiarize with this side of finis lingam Before she makes her way to the alleyway at the allotted time. Okay. You tell me if anything else happens. (laughs) Okay, great. You know, before you leave,
1: he kind of recognizes that you're not too worried about the gold that he's charging. (laughs) He does say, are you interested in any items of enchantment? I have a couple of interesting items here.
4: She'll nod. Got these shelves full of all kinds of oddities. Yeah, I didn't think to ask him about any of that, but yeah, sure, why not?
1: <laughs> he says, I do have an interesting trinket. He basically holds up this it's a little water globe, and it's smaller than a cue ball. Maybe half the size of a cue ball, in fact. I did get a hold of this recently. I don't think that I'll keep it long, but you look as though you're a person of beans, and so I thought I might see if you were interested in something like this. It's, they call this the water globe of Apamantis. I would sell it for a pretty penny, but... I'm wondering if you have, and I don't have any reason to believe this exactly. He's very sort of diplomatic and careful in how he's saying things. <laughs> but if you seem to be someone of skill, if you have any um, affiliations with perhaps the Light Lightbearers. And, and again, I don't need, and so he puts his hands out like, I don't need to know. But any affiliations like that, this is a bit of an item of power that would help in your castings. Have I got the wrong person? She's kind of like her head
4: tilts slightly while she's looking <laughs> at the thing. Like,
1: like hearing some Mandalorian music in the background. Yeah, for it's a like, second. I am not a wizard. Well, perhaps um, perhaps if you if you have someone that could, could check things out. I, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it, I think that it does something like store an, a spell or it helps something in that way. I just know that it's worth
4: some gold. How uh, much? 1,600 gold. So look at it slightly more. 1,300. Uh, roll your persuasion. 19. 13 it is. All right. She'll buy it.
1: Um, I do also have some potions on hand, if you're interested. I And I do have a rather strange alchemical jug, which creates different types of liquids and things. It seems to be something made by the Mad Mage long ago, but it it's, could certainly have its uses. How much? That one I would let go for a mere 600 gold. Four. Roll your persuasion.
4: Another 19, as I rolled another 11. <laughs> he he does it again, just says, uh, done. <laughs> Under her mask, she's kind of smiling that this intimidation stuff is working somehow. <laughs>
1: if you're interested, he did mention some potions, but otherwise... He's pretty excited that he's selling these items. If not, everybody looks for these things in Lucite's shop. He's sort of selling them on
4: the sly, it seems. Maybe that's why he's letting you cut him down. Yeah. And they build a reputation of a kind of a bounty hunter type that's willing to play by those rules if necessary. But then, yeah, she'll just kind of nod and turn and walk away with the stuff that she's purchased.
1: Okay, great. So the rest of the party is doing a similar thing, trying to avoid the fish markets. And you kind of head south, further south than Zan would have gone. And there are a few skiffs along the shore. Some of them have names scrawled on them, some of them don't. And you do find a young man, kind of light brown hair, brown eyes, and very sort of sun-kissed. And on his boat, it's scrawled in common, Jewel. And you all sort of approach. He kind of stands up for a minute and says uh Logan's friends yep looking for passage across Of course well if you got a gold on you just walk south for a couple of minutes here and I'll come down around and pick you up. We don't want to load right here but we will load soon enough I don't necessarily want my parents seeing me because uh, I'm only supposed to do work for the for the inn. But I'll catch you catch you down there in just about two minutes. Just head that way, and I'll come by.
3: Sure. I had him on platinum.
1: But thank you. Forget me. There. So he comes around, and when he comes to pick you up, he actually has, apparently there's a rope. It's a little bit slacked that apparently runs across the river, and so he knows where it is, and he grabs it, and everybody gets in, and it, it rides really low and like i said there's logs coming down and stuff and so it's almost like a little game of frogger as he pulls the rope to pull you across then he has to kind of stop and wait for certain things to pass and so it's a little bit of a process but it's out of sight of some of the major business in town um, there's certainly people that see you but it doesn't seem to be the the biggest crime in town you know it's, it seems to be that relatively normal if you just make sure you're not in the right in the wrong places and as he as he pulls you across too, he he tries to make small talk. He tells you that his parents own the Riverbed Inn, and that he you know typically only brings uh, guests of the inn back and forth. But it's nice to make a little extra gold. And then he kind of stops and smiles at Merck and says, "Or platinum." He's small talking, but he doesn't really ask you what's up, right? He knows better.
3: I do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure
1: says, well, I won't ask you where you're staying, but riverbed's a nice inn if you're looking for a warm place and a good meal. As you sort of go to you know, unload, he pitches his parents in to you real quick.
3: Yeah, but they don't hold up to halflings, do? You have a good day.
1: You're not 100% sure that he understood, but you don't probably care. All right, so you, you get off on the other side. There's a kind of rough path. That walks you up again, sort of out of sight around a corner to where you would step up. Effectively, you'd walk up onto a remote spot in the park, and so he he knew what he was doing, putting you in a good place where people weren't staring at you coming up. There's some trees that are in the way, and so you're feeling pretty good about about your travel if you you know if you don't want people wondering where you came from. And you walk into this really manicured park, and like I said, there's lots of shops and things. All around, there's this menagerie. I haven't mentioned it yet, but Merc kind of knows to look for it. There is uh, a building, the Silver Swords Academy, kind of on the horizon. It's not in the park, but it stands tall enough that he can see it, along with all of these tall, other tall buildings in the area that are all these keeps. What would you guys like to do?
3: I would like to try to make our way towards Arma's Keep. Realizing we probably stick out like a sore thumb, keep us like on back roads and whatnot. We make our way to the back of the Armist's Keep, like where the servants come in. And then I I look for somebody that looks known to me.
1: Armist's Keep is kind of this old stone building. Um, There's a lot of blue tapestries hanging from it on the outside. And as you get closer to it, you can see that there's a kind of an older foundation that this was built on. Not uncommon in Prince Home, but it it stands out here. Uh, There's not a lot of activity going on outside. You know, this is a walled compound, and so as you get closer, you just get coming up on these gray stone walls. But Merc kind of knows the different entrances, and so he walks you around. There's some, some trees outside, which can give you a little bit of cover, too, so you're not just putting yourself out there. And everybody sort of hunkers down in this little shaded area. And watches the stairwell in the back that leads up to a, a double door. As you're waiting, you see Zan walking through, wearing the helmet and stuff. But you can see her kind of coming off of the edge of the park. At this point, just sort of wandering. You know, you've waited a little while. She's finished her conversation at the haberdashery, but she's within a message spell anyway.
0: I'll pull out copper wire and message Zan, tell her where we are.
1: So then he says that and you kind of look over and see them all crouch down it's, it's almost laughable, right? Like <laughs> yeah. They're sort of hiding and they just told you where they were so you see them through the
4: trees. All right, so you know, her head will kind of jerk up and she'll look around because she's being spoken to in her head and attempts to figure out where they are in based on the description. <laughs> they're just hiding in like bushes basically. A yeah, kind of, you know, they yeah. found a nondescript place to sort of watch this door are there many people around no not really okay walk that direction nonchalantly <laughs> and then
3: make your way into wherever they are raise up the mask
4: what are you doing
3: well instead of just barging into the back door I and mean, being like trying to jack this guy down what i was gonna do is wait for somebody to come out that i was somewhat familiar with and uh talk to him a little bit and see if we can get him to come out and meet us
4: i guess that makes sense just don't get caught while you're here i guess
3: well, that's why I picked this spot. I don't know why Rela particularly decided to talk to you and make drawing more attention here, but it's great. It's fine. You can hang out. I just figured like. everyone wanted to catch up. How are you doing,
4: Sam? <laughs> um, I'm fine. I have a dress for tonight. Uh, oh, by the way, I found some things at the store. And she'll reach out and she'll pull out the... From her satchel, she'll pull out the bead or the the pearl and the alchemical jug. And she'll just kind of hand them to Rela. Oh, see if, neat. See if those are something... You can maybe do something with.
2: While this exchange is going on, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, look around to see if we are drawing any undue attention.
4: Maybe roll investigation.
2: Oh, uh, reliable
1: talent.
4: So great. <laughs> the solution for Thomas.
2: Yep. Uh, that'll be a, a dirty twenty.
1: Okay, you do notice a couple people like walking along the path, that. Uh, and, and there are a few rickshaws going back and forth too, but you notice a couple of people walking on the path. You seem to sort of stop for a second and wonder what people are doing over there. That's basically what you got. You know, they, they sort of move on. So it's not like an alarm is gone or anything, but you, you do feel like you are in danger of being seen here.
2: Okay. Yeah. So during the end of them swapping items and stuff, I'm going to say we should probably get going before we start drawing more attention.
4: Good idea. I'll see you at the alleyway. And she'll put the mask back down and start making your way back out.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't said before, but uh, I am definitely wearing that (laughs) great helm.
1: And I mentioned, too, uh, everywhere in this town, there's long benches. So you can, like, go find places to sit down. And along the way, like, people just stop and sit sit on those benches along the roadways. And so you could probably just find a spot to sit somewhere and... Nobody would probably think
4: much of it. So, yeah, she'll just keep doing her wandering plan, stopping every once in a while if she needs to, but then just keep moving along. Again, rickshaws do come by. Lots of people just
1: walking throughout the day. You know, we get past the lunch hour and it does warm up a little bit. There's still a bit, a bit of a autumn chill to the air, but it's, it's not cold like it was this morning. And Merc, you actually see somebody pulling a rickshaw. It doesn't have a passenger, it just has some sort of items in it, you know, like, like he's he's using it to carry things but you recognize the guy that you think used to walk your uncle around and, and it's like he's coming back from the market and heading oh, yeah. towards the, the house itself
3: I flag him down
1: he kind of stops with a little bit of a quizzical look on his face uh, can I
3: help you? Hey, I'm just curious. I see a lot of these drugshaws in this town and uh how much do you make?
1: uh I work for a family in town and they earn my keep and and a little bit more I the silver swords patrol here it's kind of concerned like you're gonna rob him.
3: Oh. <laughs> the silver swords yes, yes ran by the Valins yes um anyway no no worries. Not a generalized highwayman. I'm a little more uncommon than that.
1: I think if you were a highwayman, you're you're in the wrong place.
3: I was just curious. I would like to perhaps uh, arrange it so you were indisposed tonight.
1: Again, kind of looks looks at you, looks at your companions. What what does that mean?
3: Take the night off. Go be a drunk. I don't care. What does it mean to you?
1: I have to get home.
3: No, no. no. How much? What would it take for you just to not work tonight?
1: Lukan holds out ten platinum. Roll your persuasion merc with advantage because of the platinum. Thirteen. He kind of looks around and puts his hand out for the platinum. I give it to him. I need to bring this into the keep.
3: Sure. Could you leave the rickshaw somewhere in the courtyard that would be easily found? But finish your day and go have a wonderful night.
1: He just a little bit slack-jawed. You know, it's like he doesn't know what to say. He's kind of looking back and forth. He's got this handful of coin. I'll leave it in the courtyard.
3: Thank you. Have a good day. And I walk back over to the the rest of the guy, the other two, and be like, he did make a good point. The silver swords do patrol here. So uh, let's keep moving. Anybody interested in uh, some animals we could go tour the menagerie go to the shops over here anybody want to go shopping i know you like shopping hulk
2: no i think i'm good unless
3: we could go walk past uh strong room
2: might be let's take a look at the manor, and i think we should probably look at the possibility of seeing what a lot of the help is currently wearing and i probably should get some clothes to at least somewhat match that
3: Easy enough. I lead them to Strongroom Manor.
1: Okay, this place is clearly oh, getting ready for a party. There are people moving in and out. They're taking, you know, bringing in food. Um, they're bringing in some animals, which maybe will become the food, and you know, crates of things. It seems that the help all wear kind of velvet doublets uh, of maroon. And black breeches. Like it's pretty clear that's what—at least—that's what they're wearing today for the party. That you don't see any masks yet or anything like that. But it would not be uncommon for them to just put on a simple, just a real superhero mask, you know, just over their eyes and nose.
2: Well, that gives me an idea. So let's let's go find a tailor to see if we can get something, or if they've already got something on the show.
1: And there are some uh, high orcs among them. You noted too. So. All right. So are we going back to the haberdashery or there is, there was also a, another one, uh, the Dexters.
2: Merc, which one would be the like common one that your hope would get for it? I would imagine they don't go to the, the most high end tailors for their wardrobe.
1: I mean, the Dexters would probably work too. You know, it's a, they're just as much a weaver as they are or anything else, but they, they might not be like the haberdashery is definitely fancy. We'll take them to the Dexters on. This place is a little less fancy. It's you know, it's uh, I mean, this is still everything's everything's high high grade here, but this place is dealing with cloth and tunics. They they'll do doublets and they'll do breeches, which is kind of what you're looking for anyway. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of dyeing and pigments. They call her the Dexter. She's Katia is her name, and she happy to do any tailing you need. She has most of what she has is not actually like racks of clothing it's more like cloth but she says it does you know she can easily for things like a doublet or a uh breeches it's like she's got them all sort of set up so that she they can be easily stitched up and sort of it's like they're partially finished and she just finishes them up like on the person you know
2: excellent i will describe to her the you know the crimson doublet and black breeches that it's all the uh she says, way. "Oh,
1: the the wine garners uh, recently ordered uh, something. you want something like that? Are you working for the wine garners?"
2: Yeah, actually, just got. Oh, well, uh,
1: then just brought the, on. She says, "This won't take long at all. Then let me find the materials. I've got them right here." Like she's basically able to effectively match exactly what they're wearing because she created them in the first place. Perfect. Um, so you know, you might probably take about it, half an hour. if She kind of you know stands you there and measures you and. Stitches things up properly. And before you know it, you look just like the help. Excellent. She's going to charge you for the services probably about 30 gold altogether.
2: I'm going to do the, uh oh, my wallet. Look over at Merc. Uh,
3: I give her three platinum.
1: Thank you very much. It has like a little pouch that she slips it into. Anything else I can do for you?
2: Uh, no, I think we'll be back in a half hour, like you said. All right. Once we get outside, I will slip Merc three platinum. I don't think it would have looked good to have the help paying that much gold right off the bat.
3: Probably not. You're going to want a mask. Yeah. Well, there's uh, this place. It's called uh, the Haberdashery. They'll all have something. All right turn over there real quick and grab some
2: masks yeah maybe uh, they made a bunch of masks for the help we can get identical masks as what the rest of the help would depends be
1: right on now. how fancy you want them that they that he's got a lot on hand in fact you know he probably knew this masks are not that uncommon you know everybody every time somebody has a nuptial or something they they'll throw a mask so or if somebody gets engaged or you know things like that you could basically spend anywhere from 10 gold to 50 gold, depending on how fancy you want your mask.
2: I am going for what I assume like the help would wear. So we're looking like, I think like Beagle Boys from the DuckTales.
3: <laughs> I like it. I'll buy one of the same.
5: I'll put down 10 gold for a mask
1: too.
3: I will look for the meanest looking mask. Uh,
1: yeah, there's one that has frown lines in the brow and kind of a... Sh- Sharp nose to it. He notices you like it. He that you like it and he tells you that one's going for twenty.
3: You sure it's not like more like fifteen? Not
1: uh, really persuasion. Seventeen. Fifteen it is? Alright.
4: Zane, you don't need a mask? She's gonna wear the helmet with the okay. dress. Yep. I'm good.
1: <laughs> creepy. I know, right? So we got masks, got the servant's outfit. Anything else that you need?
3: I think uh Miracle just wander through the Menagerie, for old time's sake.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where there's kind of a coffer where you'd throw in a little donation on the way in. You know, they suggest five silver, but whatever.
0: Is this effectively like a zoo or something?
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: Relop's gonna go in and memorize all the creatures that he runs across for, you know, future reference.
1: They have a lot of exotic birds and wildcats. There is a cage that says owl bear, but when you get there, it's just a bear. And there's also a large blue, and it's, you know, everything has sort of a name plaque, right? So you sort of read if you hadn't seen one before and you haven't. There's something called a large blue babian. It's like this big ape, and it does say that it's from from the south south of the sand wastes. At least that's what the plaque says. And that's pretty much the gist of it. You know, it's not this huge thing.
3: Okay, look This is how this is going to have to play. You're going to pretend you're Joe Bob. I forget his actual name. Just say he's sick or something. I don't know. Go in there with the rickshaw. Now, you'll need to be ready about the time the party starts. Because my uncle will be impatient to get there. His wife refuses to do that. She will insist on being fashionably late. So you should hear some bickering. And maybe even see my uncle come out a couple times and pace around. Wait for the lady of the manor to show up. She'll get in, and he'll get in. Take him over, and then I describe the spot that we're going to meet at. And, well, Relop and Zan will do their thing. Hopefully just Zan.
5: I can do that. What are their names again?
3: My uncle is named Miles Valin. His wife prefers to be called Lady of the Manor.
5: Got it. All right. To
3: the help. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, she's got her name. But you should call her Lady of the Manor.
2: I mean, should he write that down? We've pretty much established that he has problems with names.
3: Lucan? Yeah. Well, it's not loose. Lucy. Was it Lucy? Says the guy <laughs> who can't pronounce my name. Lucan? <laughs> I was referring to hold. Lucan. <laughs> there it is. Oh, like Tukan. Yeah. That was a really funny bird.
1: Tukan Sam. So Lukan's just going to, just sound clear, Lukan's just going to show up and say, like, the other guy's sick, or he's going to pretend to be the other guy because he doesn't
3: look like the other guy. He should show up and say, the other guy is sick and yeah. he's covering.
1: He's
5: sick and I'm covering for him. Merc, should I say I'm from a certain house or anything like that?
3: Is there a rickshaw company in town?
1: There probably is, but the these are all in-house people. You know, just like you have, you have somebody you work for; he works for the family.
3: Yeah, just say you're uh, say your Kel's cousin, and you're covering for him. Verbally, make sure you don't have any of your face exposed. Kind of a big
1: guy, freckle-faced, sort of curly, reddish hair.
2: Human.
3: Yeah. Cousin? <laughs> I said keep his face covered. Keep your ears covered, too, while you're at it. And then you guys are just going to be waiting outside? I imagine we're going to be waiting at the place in case things don't go according to plan.
1: So the courtyard, in the, you know, I, I mentioned it's a walled place. So you're just going to, like, show up at the door and kind of knock and say, I'm the rickshaw driver?
3: I mean, let's keep it simple, right? Just say you're covering for uh Cal tonight. Okay.
2: Do we need to go over the route for you to take them to Because it's not gonna look great if you're just floundering around trying to find the way to get to the party.
1: I
3: mean we could do that if you'd like.
1: Yeah, Merck can show me the route. So we get towards evening and the sun's starting to go down, the sky's purpling. Party should be starting soon.
2: Hog after the, a lot of time, we'll go pick up that uniform, and then I'm going to try to get into the grounds to try and integrate myself in as someone helping out.
1: Go ahead and roll a little stealth check at first. We'll see if you can just... It's not like you're necessarily trying to be invisible, but you're trying to blend in.
2: Twenty-five.
1: So there's still a few servants that are kind of moving back and forth. There's a main entrance gate that's opened up and there are guards standing at the door, but they're they're all, you know, they're wearing masks and they're wearing these frilly taverns that have almost like the cloth is set up to look like feathers kind of hanging from them. They're acting as guards. They're checking invitations. They have weapons on their side. They're playing a part. Like they're very much like they've been instructed to... You know, make things very festive, and so when people come in, they're like, "Thanks the gods that you have uh, blessed us with your with your presence this evening," and it's kind of obnoxious almost in the way I have been directed to to bring everybody in, and so you have to go through this festive pep talk before you walk in as you go hog you know, that direction, you see that some of the servants are going around to one side. And so you just sort of follow the path. You can hear all of the people being brought in. They are doing the whole announcing of people, you know, which is, uh, we've seen, you know, we saw in Prince Holm. And so you hear a few names being announced along the way, just, you know, people that you're not familiar with, obviously. But one of the other servants kind of steps into a side door and you just sort of follow suit. And suddenly you're in a kitchen with a big hearth and a couple of pot, a couple of like sort of cauldrons on the hearth. There's long tables set up where people are setting up food and sort of working with some sort of broth. And uh, somebody turns to you and, you know, a human and and says, where have you been?
2: I got turned around uh, first day. Help the chef with the meatballs.
1: Okay. Kind of shoes you over, and there's somebody that's basically creating all of these little balls of meat with breadcrumbs and things. And they've got like sheets of them, and then they're putting them into this brick oven. And creating these sheets of meatballs back there. And so you're you're being asked to help with that.
2: Okay, as I'm doing that, I'm also going to start scanning around. I'm going to start looking for entrances going down towards like a cellar. Because I know I'm looking for kegs of really fancy alcohol.
1: It was called Angel's Share Bourbon. Yeah, you, you do actually see... Literally, like, they're walking down to a cellar from the kitchen. And you do see some people coming up with bottles and a couple of guys with casks. The casks that they're carrying don't look like they have... Because you're looking for angel's wings. Like, you saw saw the stamp on the other one. You don't see them on that, but it looks like that might be the place to go.
2: In the hustle and bustle, I will wait for an opportune time and try to slip away from my current post.
1: All right. So, while he's doing that and waiting for his moment... All right, so I guess we'll go to Lucan. So Lucan, it's time, and you're supposed to go to this Armist keep and pretend to be a rickshaw driver. All right, I go where I'm supposed to go and stand and wait. Well, you're going to have to knock on the door, right? Like, it's a walled keep, so you're going to have to bluff your way in. Okay, knock on the door. So, you know, this thing's it probably could be manned up top, but they don't have anybody. They're not on guard at all times here or anything like that. But there's a sliding window, wood slat sort of slams open, and you see a guard type. What could I do for you? I'm here to pick up Miles Vallon and the Lady of the Manor.
5: And you are? Kel. Excuse me. Denry. Denry? Yes. And why should we... Expect you to be picking up the Lady of the Manor? They're already expecting me to pick him up.
1: Step back, please. Will do. Door slides open, and the guy you were talking to and three others, it takes him just a second, here. he sort of shuts it. And then three others, the four of these guards step out, and they're looking around, right? They want to make sure you're alone. All right, step in. Okay, will do. Thank you you walk in you can see there's a rickshaw sitting there the guards kind of stay with you or at least two of them do the one you were talking to another one the the other two kind of wander off and eventually just like Merck said what happened you see this miles valin at least you you assume walk out right this middle-aged gentleman he's pretty fit he's dressed in pretty colorful doublet mostly blues He's got a Van Dyke that comes to a point. He's got silver in his hair. He steps out and looks a little bit irritated. He actually sort of takes a pipe out, kind of slams it into the side of the building, cleans it out, lights a pipe, and steps forward. Sir, one of the guards say, this is, I'm sorry, what's your name again? Denry. Denry, who says that he's here to take you tonight? And Miles Balloon says... Where is our regular man, Denry? He has a stomach bug, sir. Cal's at home. Roll well, your deception. 19. Sometimes he says, Home, you mean his mother's? Uh, excuse me, sir? You said he was at home. You mean his mother's? Well, that's where I told him to go anyways. He needs to get some rest. How is Dana? Uh, very good, very good.
5: Thanks for asking.
1: Roll well, your initiative
5: five
1: so before you know it older gentleman effectively has a knife to your throat like he just steps forward and sticks this knife uh you know just he's just like sort of holding it up to the side of your neck and he says who are you really and why are you here to take me on a rickshaw my name is denry and i'm here to bring you to your party for the night i think that we are not going to be going to this party this evening gentlemen Put this man somewhere that I can talk to him later. And they go to effectively shackle you up. Are you putting up a fight? Nope. So they disarm you, tie your hands behind your back, and they take you into the keep.
5: Yeah, I goofed that up nice and good.
1: So guys, you're waiting in the alleyway. You feel like he would have come.
4: Something went wrong. How long does this lady usually wait?
3: Not that long. I mean, this is beyond, no. She likes to make an entrance, but no, something's wrong.
4: Holga's there. We're missing our opportunity. What are we going to do?
3: Can you do a sending to your brother and see what happened?
4: Alright. Outcast
3: sending.
1: And by this point, he's basically been chained up in a cellar or a dungeon or something in the keep.
4: Lukan, what's going on? Where are you?
1: Is there anybody around me? Lukan, you are, at this point... Because you know a little time passed before they would realize that you'd been gone. You are in cellar or dungeon in the lower level of the keep. They've got you shackled to the wall, and you're all alone. There might, you know, there might be a guard outside
4: of the door, but since they called my bluff, I'm now in their dungeon keep. So you see Zan like visibly sigh, kind of face palm herself for a bit. They caught him. They didn't believe a story. Ah, oh, brother.
0: Mark, how familiar are you with the layout of this place? I mean, I've been there a lot, not can recently. You, can you describe it to me? Yeah,
3: so I describe it to real
0: I don't suppose you have anything of your uncle's on you, do you? No, no, I wouldn't. All right, well, everybody, just hold on for just a quick second here. I'll try and envision it as closely as possible to what Mark described to me. I mutter something under my breath and cast teleport on the three of us.
1: <laughs> Everything kind of goes dark for a second, and you you just sort of feel rattled. This teleportation spell affects you, and then you are suddenly in a different place. You can feel the ground is different. It's hard and stone. It's still dark. The air is cool, and there's kind of a musty smell. Bust out the continual
3: flame, George.
1: You think that you have teleported into another cell in the basement of the keep. Like maybe you're next door or across the hall. There's a few rooms down there that get used for this.
3: Important question. Is the cell door shut? It is.
5: Doesn't mean it's locked.
3: I go over and check it. Is it locked?
1: Yes. You're locked in a cell in the basement of this keep, you think. Without Lukan.
3: Well, this is about to get noisy. No.
0: Hey, Lukan. Huh?
1: Are you doing ascending?
3: No,
0: I'm just speaking out loud.
1: Are you talking loud enough to like see if he can hear you down the hall or something like that? Right, yeah. Lukan, you do hear Relapse voice kind of echoing through there, and somebody comes over by your door. And then in front of your door, Relap and company, somebody says, who's in there?
0: And I pull out a small piece of iron and cast Hold Person.
1: Kind of opens it up and holds up a torch and you see enough of him to target him.
0: It's uh, wisdom 18.
1: Alright. He doesn't even get it out entirely. He says who's in And then he just stops because you lock him up.
3: Do we reach through the slot? Like how big? Like I'm assuming it's like one of those like solid doors.
1: Yeah, it's a solid wooden door. There's two iron bars on the slot. Once it's slid open from the outside, you can see him standing right there in front of you. You know, you're just kind of seeing his face basically.
0: Does he look like he's got the keys on him?
1: You could probably push him backwards if you wanted to to see him better. Because he's paralyzed, right? He's not like held in place. So if you pushed him, he'd just fall backwards. But maybe you get a better look at him, see if there's keys on him.
3: Sure. I will reach through the slot, put my hand against his forehead, and shove. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Lands with the clang. And yeah, he's a set of keys hanging off of him.
3: Real up, I forget. You got the thing with the, you know, where you can pick things up? Yes, I do. I will cast Mage Hand.
1: Okay, little glowing hand goes through, picks up the keys, pulls it in. You like get up there, and the ring isn't gonna make it through the bars. You have to sort of you know turn it, and uh, like you do a couch trying to get through a door when you know you're moving, and you just kind of slide it through. Can we unlock it from this side? You could, yeah. We do that. Click. Opens up. Guys still frozen there, awkwardly (laughs) laying there with like. One hand poking out and is and one leg sort of stiff.
3: I grab him by his leg Just drag him down to where the cell where Lucan is.
1: Drag on down. You can hear a lot of noise as he's dragging because the metal armor he's wearing. And Lucan, you're hearing all this stuff out there.
5: Okay, Lucan just preps himself to fight if anything bad comes through the door.
0: Mark, we don't have more than about thirty more seconds of this. We might want to I... knock him out or something.
3: Yeah, I just punch him out.
5: Relap, is that you?
0: (laughs) Hey, I heard something didn't go well for you.
1: Oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) Oh, woo. Yeah,
5: um, didn't do so well in that uh, picking up miles.
0: Yeah, we picked up on that.
5: Yeah, so we've got that going for us. The mission still hasn't
1: changed, right? We still need to cleanse miles. I was going to say, though, Lucan, you don't have your stuff. They, They disarmed you. He's shackled to the wall, but the same—you know—one oh, of the keys on there. One of the keys on there takes care of that.
0: Do we want to shackle this guy to the wall? Uh,
3: well, if all goes well, it won't matter. But we should gag him. Yeah. Well, you know uh, what? We're shackling him to the wall. A,
0: yeah, I was gonna say our plan isn't exactly going according to script anyway, so I might as well.
5: As soon as you unshackle Lukan he gives out a huge smile and picks you up and gives you a big bear hug. Relap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're uh, we're not out of this yet, but we're getting there. Let's get your yeah. stuff.
4: Well, I hope it's around here. How many guards does your uncle usually have? Do you know?
1: Probably going to be at least a dozen like in the whole keep. Most of them will be outside, but there'll be a few inside as well. A couple of them brought me down, but one
5: just stood guard.
3: Let's go see about getting your stuff back first, I think
5: start poking around that area see if they just have it in a closet or something right
3: now i would think i would have a pretty good idea where they kept it so after we gag this guy and shackle him to the wall we'll go look for lucan stuff where i would suspect them to hold gear
1: yeah you there's a little bit of an armory there'll probably be some people in between you and that but you think that's probably the case you do wonder though Merc, because Night's Fall is such a sort of ornamental sword and clearly has history to it. You almost wonder what, like, where that'll be. They probably are looking at it or set it somewhere to kind of check it out and figure out who the heck owned the, you know, who was this guy that was coming after them. Because you also recognize that, that this Miles Willen probably very much thinks that Lucan was there to murder him. Right. So, whole at some point you're waiting for your moment and somebody comes up with a case of wine. And they get away from the cellar and somebody else backs into them and they drop the case. Many of the bottles that are in there shatter and just go everywhere. Many people are distracted at the moment. You feel like this might be something you could use.
2: All right. Yeah, I will use that. I'm going to keep a lower profile going around and try to slip down into that stairwell.
1: Go ahead and roll your stealth with advantage just to see if anybody questions you. 26 yeah, nobody seems to bother. They're chewing out the person that dropped the super expensive wine. And you go down into the cellar. It's a little bit there's a little catacomb to it. You know, there's they're probably been burying their family dead down here, which, you know, is not completely unheard of in parts of the realm. You find a spot that it kind of leads towards what you could hear running water. Okay. And there's a couple of rooms back and forth where they've stacked crates and things, casks, and there's a lot of wine and things like that down here. Some of it's just stuck in holes in the wall. There's one room specifically that is locked, but the rest of it's all kind of open for the party.
2: Is the one locked room, is there any like indication on the door and stuff that any of the angels' share might be stored in there?
1: Other than the fact that it's locked and you know that stuff's expensive but it, it doesn't specifically name on the door or anything like that.
2: Quick looking over my shoulders, make sure nobody else is nearby, and I'm going to try to pick that lock. It will be a 23.
1: All right. It's a pretty good lock, but you pop it open. In your dark vision, you open it up, and there are casks in here. There's a few bottles of wine that are set on a kind of a wooden rack, and then you definitely see a good four casks small kegs with the stamp of angel's share. You do too remember that they mentioned you could just literally drop it in the river Mm -hmm. and they would pick it up down river. And like I said, you could hear the water.
2: I'm trying to remember the. Were they just wanting us to get them one keg, right?
1: I think the implication was like any you could get. I don't think that they gave you a number. They just knew they had some and they want it. And it probably would just take you like since there's four and they're kind of small You might be able to sort of take two trips if you were trying to, if you were going to drop those.
2: Definitely going to be my intent.
1: So basically, what you find is it's almost like this little cave, you know, this grotto of sorts where the floor gives out. You're still in a cave, there's a rushing water coming through, and you can, you know, it smells just like the river when you guys came over it. And so you can only assume that this speed at which it at which it flows, I mean, you grew up on the Lagnavia too. This is the same river, you mm-hmm. know, it's just upriver. And so you're pretty sure this is it. Just like a little tributary that must connect into it.
2: All right. Roll them down in or
1: splash as they get down there. And they just kind of go out of sight and I guess hope to yourself that somebody actually finds them.
2: As I go past that room one more time, I'm going to grab one of those bottles of wine as well and then try to
1: lock the door. Lock picking again?
2: Even better. I left it in better condition than when I opened it. I got a 31.
1: All right. You want to roll a stealth check as you come back up to the kitchen?
2: What I'm also going to do is I'm going to grab, if I saw them carrying boxes, I'm going to grab a bunch of the other wines, anything that looks like it was similar to the other stuff they were bringing up, Mm-hmm. And we'll stick that one fancy bottle, kind of intermixed among the rest of them.
1: All right, yeah, you find it. You find a crate that looks similar. Head on up, and yeah, as you come up, they're just finishing cleaning because it was a huge mess. So they're just finishing cleaning it up. Somebody else says it's about time we got the, we you know we got the other crate. I told somebody to go down, and and they just they're just bickering with each other, and yeah. so it works out pretty nice when you when you come back up.
2: Carry it towards whatever direction they're waving in a general area, I'm sure.
1: You basically leave the kitchen. You step out to kind of a little serving area. And there's music playing. And there's a blonde woman probably in her mid-40s, early 50s, that is singing, you know, the, the entertainment, the bard. And everybody's very sort of enraptured with her as she sings. She's singing tales of tenebrous and you know old war songs from ancient times there's a lot of people in masks i mean everybody's a mask really but you know these sort of fancy stitched up masks everybody's got a drink there are servers walking around with the meatballs that you had been helping with and it seems to be a thing where they all everyone seems to have like a bejeweled dirk some sort of little thin dagger that they have just for this purpose and so as the Serving people come by with their trays of meatballs, they just stab a meatball and they just eat it off of the like a popsicle or something, like off of the edge end of their dirk. Somebody starts telling you where to put the wine and that kind of stuff.
2: Okay, I was just gonna ask do the dirks they're just like ornate, they don't seem to have any sort of markings on them or anything.
1: No, yeah, they're just small ornate daggers. You see a few people using like just a regular dagger, you know, something bigger, but it seems to be the in thing among the rich people here to sort of have a special serving Dirk. Gotcha.
2: I will go to where I'm directed. I'm going to start putting the wine up and then I'll kind of hover around and slink away with the fancy bottle if I feel there's enough of a distraction. Otherwise, I'm going to keep the one fancy bottle in the tote and slip it under the table.
1: Do like maybe a sleight of hand for that?
2: That will be 26.
1: All right. Nobody seems to notice. And then I'm sorry, when you you said slip away, are you looking to leave, step out of the party? Are you looking Uh, to. I'm looking
2: to step out of the party so that I can try to stash the bottle somewhere else on the grounds.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So you step outside. You're pretty good at making yourself unseen if you need to. And, you know, you're wearing the right clothes for it and everything. And so you kind of walk out onto this manicured garden. And you can still hear the guards that are taking invitations up at the door, but you're in a pretty secluded little spot. You could sit somewhere if you wanted to or...
2: Yeah. All I'm doing is stashing it outside, and then I'm going to find other busy work around in the ballroom area because I just want to observe some of these people.
1: If you sort of stand there and look like you aren't busy, somebody tells you to start pouring drinks, and so there's a big table full of stemware... And, you know, they're just keeping full drinks and people just come by and pick them up.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. I'll happily take that over.
1: All right. So back to the Armus Keep. So Merc has walked you through the lower level cellar and dungeons, basically. There's light under the door. There's really one en- one exit from here. So it was pretty easy to decide where to go. During this
5: time, did I hear my sword singing to me?
1: Good question. Now that you get to the door, you just sort of faintly, because since you got it, it it doesn't do that thing where like it's calling to you from afar. Before, since you tuned to it, and it's no longer needing to find its way out, it it just it's almost like a, a regular voice. You know that music only goes so far, but that's good though because now you actually can get a feel for for which direction you're headed with it. But it is singing, my blade, my blade.
3: Before we go busting out of here making a bunch of noise, do we go for Lukan's equipment or do we go for my uncle? See if we can't free him from the curse, so to speak. Maybe have him settle and keep down and get Lukan's equipment back that way. I'm thinking if we convince your
4: uncle, we won't have to worry. He should be able to give us our material right back, wouldn't he? Yes.
5: That's kind of all what depends if they've given that thing away, but I can faintly
4: hear it singing,
5: so it's close.
4: Here, I'm not using my sword, and so she'll give him her uh, longsword. Okay. I hope we won't have to use this. We shouldn't try to kill anybody. We
3: should actively try not to kill people.
4: That's the plan. All right. Following your lead.
3: Let's see. If I was my uncle, I would be... And then I go open the door.
1: (laughs) Door opens with a click, and as you open it, you know that you're going to step out to a hallway. Merc's, you know, already sort of giving you the rundown on what you should expect. The armory will be probably to the left if that's where it is. But when you step out, Lucan says the sword isn't to the left. You can hear that it's to the right and possibly up a stairs. And so Merc, you think it must be up in one of the bedrooms. And there's one grand staircase that goes up that way. There's also, though, a side stairwell, kind of a, almost like an escape route built into the keep. And because you grew up here, you, you know where that is.
3: Let's go that way.
1: So you step into this back hall. There's actually a couple of torches lit along the way. Find this staircase, circular stone staircase, and you work your way up. Find a doorway that would open up into... If you remember correctly, you think this is actually Miles' bedroom. Like it's a secret exit out of the master suite, in a sense. And Lucan... The song is very loud right here. Like you think it's on the other side of the door.
5: The song's on the other side of this door, Merc.
3: All right, let's do this. I uh, throw the door open, bust into the room. Rule initiative. Miles oh.
1: Velen is
3: sitting there looking at the sword.
1: He's actually holding a pummel to his ear when you step in. The lady of the house, his wife, is also there. Nothing real embarrassing, but she's kind of half dressed in the middle oh. of looking Mad and she's all made up but her eyes, her makeup is all messed up because she's apparently been crying. Murky could probably guess it's because she really liked the party and they're not going to the
3: party anymore. Party's back on.
1: Before he can react, Relop, you get to go first.
0: I mutter something under my breath. Cast to spell magic on him.
1: Alright, go ahead and roll, I guess. Twenty-two. You do get the feeling that there was some sort of enchantment was there that that you just dispelled. doesn't change the fact that you just busted into his bedroom. So it's don't expect them to be all like, well, welcome. And that means it's Zan's turn.
4: So Zan will look back at Relop and then kind of hold her hands in front of her in somewhat of a supplementary way. Just say, listen, something was wrong with you. Do you feel better now? Like she's going to try to diplomatize with him. He moves in front of his wife. He's not wearing his armor either, right?
1: Like, he was kind of getting ready for bed. But And he, he moves, and he actually holds Knight's Day up in front of him with stance. Like, he's clearly a swordsman. When he moves over, he actually, in his other hand, grabs a rapier that he had, sort of leaning up, ready to, to grab in case he needed it. He's got a sword in each hand, and he's putting himself between his wife and you, and he says... How dare you come into my chamber? Merc, what would you like to do? That's all he does. He's sort of defending.
3: I will grab my great helm, pull it off, and reveal myself to him and say, How else do you expect me to break my brother's curse upon you? You didn't exactly make it easy.
1: kind of lowers his swords, a sword in each hand. He just kind of holds them out to his side. And he says... Lucius?
3: Uncle, sorry about the intrusion, Auntie.
1: She kind of let out a scream just about now, right? She just kind of froze for a second and suddenly screams, trying to figure out what's happening. And she says, can I get some privacy, please? It's like she's all embarrassed because she's half
3: dressed. I promise you no harm, Uncle. If we could just step out someplace semi my private and talk.
1: And he says, dear, just step behind the curtain over there, please. You know, and sort of she goes off and apparently starts getting herself decent. And he says, we'll talk here. You sent this man pointing at Lucan. I did. And what was the intent here?
3: To get you someplace quiet and do all of this without causing a rather large alarm.
1: You know what they're saying about you? I don't care. Do you realize you were being mind controlled? He kind of stops for, you know, and thinks and he he says something is different.
3: Did you see our brother and a, perhaps a dark figure talking to you in the basement of the church?
1: he's a pretty classy guy, right? Like sort of done up with this goatee and like he's sort of the quintessential swordsman. And when you say that, he gets a sort of this pained look on his face and you almost think he's about to cry. And then he just disappears as fast as it came on. He says, "Yes, your brother." He has something dark with him. Yes. I, I remember. We feel that
3: dark thing is knock. It matters not what it is. We need to stop him and free the town from his grip. I've seen the horrors he's done. I've seen the things he's admitted to by his own hand. I have his diary. I can prove his crimes but not this curse upon the town. I need help finding the right people to break this of so we can make an assault upon the church if need be and arrest him and put an end to this.
1: Again, it's like he's thinking and not sure why I know this, but I think that some of us have been put under a spell and some of us have just been charmed because yes, this needs to be stopped but part of the issue is knowing who's under a spell and who's simply been persuaded to follow because those are the dangerous people. And I'm not sure who's Good. who at that point. Excellent
4: point. All of these allies, these people we we're looking for, they're going to be at that party tonight, aren't they?
3: A large portion of them should be there. Almost everybody, the who's who of Woodson should be there.
4: Are we going to have another opportunity like this anytime soon?
3: How subtle is the magic? Start slinging spells in the middle of a party.
5: We did talk about that already. I think she's going to put her hand on people, essentially.
4: Like, Yeah, I have to cast the prayer and then touch them. So it's not you know so that just... visual, but...
5: Yeah, you could just put like a friendly hand on a shoulder while they're talking. and
4: Or brush against them or in the party. Something I mean... like that. Very well. So it would be a matter of either of you pointing out who these people are from a vantage point where us as spellcasters can detect magic, look and see who has an aura around them, and try to dispel the ones that do.
1: Miles, is there a ward at this party set up? It says says, I, I wouldn't pretend to
3: know. Better question is, would Asher be there? I don't believe so. I think your father will be there. Well, when you speak of people... Just being persuaded by Asher, my father comes to mind first.
1: He says, dear, and you see her pop out from behind the curtain and she's kind of got like a robe on and he says, go ahead and get dressed again. She's kind of excited. You know, she went through all this work to get herself set up and so she calls for her servants and she tells everyone to get out. So these servants come in to kind of get her ready for the party again. Lukan awesome. will grab Night's Fall before
5: <laughs> he leaves.
1: <laughs> Interesting weapon. That it is. You'll have to tell me the tale someday. I will do. Alright, so you step out into the hallway and then go to the main stairs and come down. There are some servants moving around. So there's some coming in to help her. But a few that are more of the guard type kind of start as this party of Adventurers comes down with their master because they didn't know you were there.
3: I put the helmet back on.
1: Do I need to send someone down to take care of Percival? You didn't hurt him, did you?
3: I mean, he is tied up and gagged in the cell. He kind of snaps
1: and says, go
4: help him out, please. I toss him the keys. Much like your wife, I need a room to prepare as well, if you don't mind. He again kind of snaps in a servant is going to take you somewhere you know everybody can have a room to get ready if you need sure she's just going to change into the chainmail shirt dress she'll pull out the relic she's going to keep everything else in the satchel and i'm trying to figure out where i'm going to have that (laughs) because it kind of depends on who's actually going to go to the party or not i suppose
1: sure so while you guys are kind of getting suited up for the party miles says i think the silver swords And he's saying this to mark i think that the silver swords are mostly under the control of whatever that thing is which is maybe what was happening with me which means that there's good hope for them but there are other factions at play here i don't know who in the church is with him i know that there are separate factions in the church that are at conflict with each other at this point and i don't really know who to tell you to trust But I think the Silver Sword, we could redeem. In fact, now that I know what I'm looking for, I think I could start working that
3: process in the next few days. That makes me hopeful. Do you think the Lancers could be saved too?
1: Yes, but I don't know the intricacies of of the Lancers like I know the Silver Sword, so I, I don't want to give us false
3: hope. Understandable. I was just thinking, with the Lancers and the Silver Swords, we'd have a much better chance, especially if we could free any of the White Bearers.
1: True. Hold, you are kind of enjoying yourself watching these people. You know, they're all so sort of pretentious, and it's just kind of a show. And you do hear a couple of things, the rumor mill, as as you're listening. One thing that they talk about is how there were a couple of Silver Swords that apparently had gotten themselves into trouble a couple of them are in the Silver Swords dungeons and then a, a couple of them are missing. The two in the dungeon said they were dead, but this person, you know, rumor mill, you know, they, they don't really seem to care much about it. They just think it's a fun story. They say the two that are alive said that the other two are dead, but they they think that they're probably out there somewhere causing trouble. It seems that the Silver Swords are getting a little bit of a reputation around here as maybe trouble troublemakers you also hear a few people talking about Culling Week and how they're really excited and they've bought new equipment for it. They have talking in a lot of sort of competition, some sort of something with Culling Week, whatever that means, is something they're looking forward to and preparing for.
2: As I'm, like, pouring drinks and stuff, one of the other servants, when they come by, I'm going to actually, I'll ask one of them, what do they know about this Culling Week? He says, what are you, from Prince Hall? Yeah, I'm new to town.
1: Yeah, I thought so. I could I could hear it in your voice. And he's kind of doing his work as he's talking. He's piling up some food. They've sort of started serving the full meal, and it's a poached partridge in a spleen broth, whatever that means. And they have a lot of this hearty bread that they had served, that the Kilderkin had served you. But he's kind of setting up some plates and wiping the edges and things as he talks. And he says... Calling week is kind of the big hunting week in Woods End. We basically, the able bodied go into the wood and it's a huge hunting competition in a sense. And then we sort of stock up for the winter. And so uh, it'll end in a feast at the end of the week. And, you know, they'll begin drying meats and things for the winter.
2: So do they go in groups, you know, with yes, families? Then, uh, and you know,
1: families will go out. Um, I know a lot of these nobility. You know, they they make they're the ones that make a competition of it. Uh, most people from Woods End, my family included, will just you know it's our way of stocking up for ourselves and, and maybe making a little bit of money if we if we get enough. Hmm. But about a week away.
2: Okay. Make a mental note on that.
1: Um, again, the few mu- musicians in the party, and then. This blonde lady keeps singing, and uh, she kind of tells a few tales. You notice that her tales are pretty sort of fantastic. She does a lot of hyperbole and almost like a science fiction, although that wouldn't probably be a term here, but, like, everything's extreme in her tales, and that's that seems to be her shtick. Um, but they seem to like her, like her a lot. One of the other servants at one point even says, like, can you believe Danelle is actually playing this party? I never thought I'd actually see her. I wonder if I could get a scroll signed.
2: Yeah, me either. Oh, do you read her? Uh, On occasion. I mean, she's no Coralor, but it's enjoyable.
1: Oh, I haven't heard of a Coralor. Is that a he or a she? It's a he. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to look for him. It's
2: fantastic reading. Much more nuance in his writing.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Better than Danelle the Scribe, huh? whole nother world. All right, Korlar. Noted. The rest of the party kind of finishes getting themselves ready. They now have Miles Valin and wife in tow. There are a couple of rickshaws, and so they're going to bring you guys out as well. Miles does kind of make a joke to Lucan and says, so are we doing this?
5: Um, what's, what's he referring to going to the party?
1: He's looking at the rickshaw. Yeah.
3: You got to pick it up and carry him or what?
1: Yeah, I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's kind of delighted at that. Like, you know, he thinks it's humorously appropriate and it's, you know, it's not hard to do. They're balanced pretty nicely. So it's not like you're pulling a bunch of weight. You're just, you just balance it and walk. All right. So you get to this party, you can hear music from inside It's very well lit, lots of torches. This place is heavily draped in kind of a maroon color. The symbol of the wine garners is a chalice with wine in it and a gold piece just sort of floating on the wine. And so you see that etched into decorations and and tapestries and things like that. The guards, who almost seem like they're a little bit tipsy at this point themselves, ask you what they're going to announce you as. After they read this invitation, Miles, of course, gets gets introduced. What are they calling you?
3: When we get up towards the front, I'm like, I'll just skip out on this one. And, um, seems bad enough. Shoot me a message if you need me to burn the place down. And I start walking back towards the river.
1: The invitation says Onyx, right? Yeah. It's just, are we just just, just saying on- Onyx and party, or yeah, and guests, or something like that. Okay. All right. And a lot of times they'll say lady or something like that. They just sort of look at you and you're wearing this gown and you get this helmet. you have a title, milady?
4: Lady is fine.
1: Lady Onyx and guests. And you walk in and there are people with food readily available. These meatballs seem to be a hit. And everybody using their knives to just grab one off the pile. But at the tables they are serving A lot of this bread and some sort of bird in a broth. And you see Holg over at one of the tables pouring wine and talking to a couple of the other servants. And
4: he looks to the part. (laughs) So Zan will sidle up next to Valen and ask, like, is there a place we can look at these people? Can you point out targets for us? And he says, looking for people of importance. Who would be the best allies in the city for us to have? Whether they are cursed or not, we need to know which ones are and which ones we can free. Hmm. Give me a moment. And he kind of looks over the crowd. Do I see if there's like a balcony up above anywhere that could look down at the party? Is there multiple floors to this place that we would have access to that we could people watch from?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of floors. You could probably walk up onto a, a balcony and look down if you wanted to. His wife is just excited to be there. She's a big socialite, you could tell. Mm-hmm. And he sort of steps away and starts heading for the stairs. Zane will follow.
0: I'll follow behind, Zane.
1: He says, I think that the when it comes to the silver swords, I will probably take that a little bit upon myself, assuming that I don't succumb to whatever enchantment they were using he says she's a little unassuming that there's an inquisitor in the room. And he, you know, he doesn't point. He's being pretty subtle. But he says, that's Inquisitor Margaret. And he nods. And it's this short woman, rotund, and she has little spectacles and kind of short cropped hair. Your experience with the Inquisitors have been that they're kind of scary, you know, like these there's mm-hmm. like tough wizards. She does not look that far. She's very sort of maternal and soft. But he says, that's the Inquisitor in town. She doesn't announce herself. She definitely would not be somebody that I would want under the spell of that thing. Says, of course, the trick there is if try to dispel magic on her and she's not, what might that create for you? He says, that's Lucius's father right there. And you do see that there's this kind of older version of Merc down there. He's got kind of silvered hair. And he keeps just a real trimmed beard, you know, just like this beard of stubble. And he's a big guy, probably 60 years old, but he looks like he could keep up in a fight. Says that might be someone that we're interested in. A few others that might be worth noting. And he just kind of runs through. But he says, he points out Brother Tullin, who's the Order of Law Dispatch. He's leading that party in town. Mm -hmm. Zan's he's weary about that guy. <laughs> shockingly young. Like, you You know, you look at this guy and you're like, that guy's in charge. Like, he's definitely no older than you are. He also points out that the ranking keeper in town is here. He is a Monsignor Willoughby Winegarner, obviously related to the family. But he is the ranking keeper in town. He's kind of this doddering old man. Those are the ones that really stand out to him. You know, there's certainly there's other people in town that might be worth looking at, but those are the ones that he's he kind of wants to make sure you know who they are. He says if, obviously, if Asher were here, or he has a small group of advisors, and I think any of them, I'm not sure what I would say about them. You know, if they were here, it might be worth looking at, but they don't typically leave the cathedral anymore. I think that they know what could happen if we found them out but there's definitely people that I would pay attention to back at the cathedral.
4: I believe that's Um, fine for now. We'll, we'll take a look at these and see what we can do. Your porter there who did such a good job of bringing us to the party. He asked if there
1: was any sort of warding on the party. Please know that the cathedral definitely has such things. All right. That's good information. Thank you. Go see to your wife. Oh, she's in her element, but yes, I'd, I don't think I should stand too long against this lovely woman with such an odd mask.
4: People will talk. Joe kind of curtsy to him slightly as he leaves. Relop, would you do the honors?
0: I was thinking about that while he was pointing them out. Do you want to mingle amongst them and be within arm's reach? Should we need to resort to any sort of restorative
4: magic? That would be the idea but i need to know which are my targets you can sense which ones have magic on them then i'll know who to go for
0: yeah i don't i don't usually have the uh, magic detection spell prepared just due to the fact that i have more important spells to memorize but if i could duck into a corner for about 10 minutes i should be able to point out for a little while at least
4: so let me ask the question Are we one? Are we able to bring weapons in here? And two, was I able to bring my satchel in here?
1: I mean, you should certainly bring your satchel in. I, I guess we didn't talk about the weapons thing. I don't know. Were,
4: were you trying to bring weapons in? I don't think so. If I have the satchel, then I can grab everything I need out of it and just carry it it with me. I mean, that like people might have like side weapon. Honestly,
1: like if you wanted to walk around with your sword in your scabbard, probably they wouldn't care. It's not, I think that's probably fine. I think that if you walked in with armor to the teeth and all that, they might
4: question that. But again, you're also playing a bounty hunter. So, sure. So, with that information in mind, she'll kind of look back to relapse. She's like, well, I mean, I have the Earth Core, but I don't know if I necessarily want to display that in public.
5: Hey, I can detect magic. I have that prepared.
4: Okay. All right, well, why don't you do that then? All the people that he just pointed out, look at all of them and tell me which ones have a magical aura, and I will do my best to restore all of them.
1: Okay. So of the people that that he discussed, we talked about the father, Merc's father. We talked about the Inquisitor. We talked about Brother Tullen. Monsignor Willoughby Weingarner is the headkeeper. Of those four, Monsignor Willoughby Weingarner has an enchantment aura. Something's enchanted him. The other three, you do not get that.
4: Well, I guess that makes this easy then. All right, I'm going to see if I can speak with him. You'll see her reach down and she grabs a small little pouch that she has. She's going to dump a bunch of diamond dust into her hand and clench it while having the reliquary in with it.
1: This old man is telling a tale to somebody and he just seems to be blathering on. The person that he's talking to is kind of a young woman. She doesn't
4: seem overly excited about his story. All right, as she approaches, she'll try to cast the spell as tightly under her breath as possible. Sure. in the mask to begin the restorative magics of it and then brush his shoulder as she goes by. Okay. Go ahead and make a stealth check, just to kind of give us an idea. You got it. And luckily, I don't have disadvantage because of the mithril shirt. Ooh, a 19 plus 2, so 21. See, a party's a good place to do that stuff too, right? Because <laughs> <Yeah>, rare
1: <laughs> So you cast the spell and you just sort of touch him as you go by, this dust sort of <laughs> sequencing his shirt a little bit and... He stops his story and kind of looks around the room, kind of looks back. And, you know, it's like you you don't know if he exactly sees Zan walk away from him. But he is like, um, excuse me, dear, to the lady that he was talking to. "Um, uh, If you'll excuse me. And he sort of starts almost like making a beeline for the door. Like he's suddenly uncomfortable and wants out of here. Zan's going to follow him. He's got this, like, long tunic on, and he's holding it up as he walks.
5: Lukan's going to follow them as well, but keep
1: behind. He's just watching out for Zan, essentially. He, he steps out, basically, and tells the guards, you know, there's somebody that's almost like a valet. You know, they're going to go tell his rickshaw guy to come get him. So he's standing there at the cobblestone waiting for his ride.
4: On senior, moment of your time
1: as she approaches. Um, oh, you know, sees the... The mask and you know, he's got his own mask on too but at this point he's pulled it up over to his forehead you know wearing it like a visor uh, yes my dear does
4: it feel as if a dark shadow has been lifted from you
1: you see that he has a short sword on his side it was he's wearing this big voluminous tunic but he kind of holds the hilt of the short sword and he says what do you know about it asher near is evil do you agree? Because I thought maybe it was thoughts of an old man. There's something in that federal,
4: Something that needs to be cleansed. She'll lift her mask up from the helmet. My name is Xenophi Amastasia, and we have much to talk about. See me in the c- Keeper's Temple. She nods, puts the mask back down, and makes her way back into the party. His Ruckshot comes up right about then. So Zan will meet up with Lukan, probably near the doorway, and come back through. He's okay. ours.
1: All right, when you come back in, Xan, there's actually a new bard there. This Danelle the that they're all excited about has taken her break, or start, started to mingle amongst the crowd. And the bard now is Arn, the clan person from Bael Nalaire, who you guys had spent an evening carousing with. And she's singing a song about dragon slayers and the death of Tirithon the Terrible and sort of running through this song. And it's a kind of a quick one. The, the most, most of what has been done has been very dramatic. And this one, it's kind of comforting because it reminds you of Bael Nalaire, just sort of playful and dance music. She does, by the way, have her little elf cat with her and she's wearing her blue and green tartans. Hmm. All right. Zane's going to make her way over to Miles. He kind of tries to look as though he's not necessarily talking to you. You know, he's trying to be subtle ab- about it.
4: He has a jeweled dirk and he's eating an hors d'oeuvre. The Monsignor is ours. The rest of them don't have an enchantment. We're going to have to convince them
1: one piece of advice that I might give. I think that in my younger days, I would assume that everyone without the enchantment was in league because they were evil or, you know, had intent. But I think it's important in my age, I've realized that sometimes people can be misled and that doesn't mean that they're an enemy. And it'd probably be best to remind your people of that. And if I remember my nephew... He might need a little persuasion in that. Would it mean more coming from you if
4: you were to bring this up to them? Oh, I don't know why. They just met me. All right. Do we convince them here or privately?
1: I would be afraid of what might happen if we try to convince too
4: many people while we're here. She'll just nod and then make her way back to Relop, I'm assuming with Lucan. Like the first man always said, divide and conquer Just as you're walking away. She's trying to not bother him too long to raise suspicions. So she'll make her way to Relop and Lucan, or Lucan's probably following her around, or she'll lead them both together. Well, the keeper was under the spell. Everyone else is going to have to be convinced, and it's going to have to be somewhere else than here. Okay. But we at least have one. Let's get out of here. Yeah, I agree. we will make the way down the staircase with the two of them in tow. She'll kind of glance over to Holg if he's still where he was or near where he was.
5: Yeah, just
2: uh, engaging small talk and trying to be overall polite.
4: So you'll see Zan crossing main ballroom area and she kind of glances over to you, nods her head once and just beelines it for the door.
2: Okay, I will mention to uh, one of the other staff like... Uh, I need to, uh, go to the restroom, watch my booth. I'm going to slip out and, uh, swing by my stash location, grab my wine bottle and try to sneak out of the facility.
1: Go ahead and roll stuff. <laughs> You'll poorly, they just like make you work all night.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that'll be a 25.
1: All right. Yeah. You s- step into a shadow and you're gone.
4: I'll message Merck as to where he is. So what did you do that whole time, Merc?
3: I think I would have just gone down by the Lugnavia and just watched the water. And just kind of contemplated the things I'm probably going to have to do.
1: So Merc, while you're down at the water, Gnome comes up to you. It looks like he's furry almost at first, like his clothing or something. And when he gets closer to you, you realize he's wearing chainmail. Every little ring has green string or a piece of yarn almost sort of tied around it and sort of creates this image of furry green chest piece almost. And he has strapped to his belt, he has a big flail. It looks like too big for him to use. You'd have to use it two handed or something. And he says it's awfully hard to see in that helmet, don't you think?
3: You get used to it. Can I help you, friend? I actually look around for other people.
1: Uh, Roll your perception.
3: I'm gonna blame the helmet, but I got a Lucan roll there, so nothing. Like nothing, nothing. Well, I got a total of seven,
1: but like like I rolled in the die, and the die melted,
3: just a pool of plastic. Yeah, it was a natural one. That's what I mean.
1: Nothing. He's got kind of a beard and. It's a little bit on the white side. You almost wonder for a second if you might be a woodland gnome like Relot, but you're, you know, it's just hard to tell sometimes. You're you haven't seen that many woodland gnomes. And he says, "I um wondering if you might be the person I'm looking for."
3: Let's start looking around for other people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what would it take to have you take that helmet off? Well, perhaps your name and your intent. My name is Pinrin. I'm the last pinery. The last what? Henry, my family name, you know, like, Wulnir, roll your initiative. So this is kind of what's happening when you guys are in the party, yeah, just so you know, and it will make it
4: of course. quick, yeah, I think. Sure, 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 <laughs> sure.
1: I get arrested again. All right, so he says that, and then he effectively takes that flail and just pulls it all in one movement and just jumps up and whips this flail your direction, moves with some pretty serious speed. Basically smack, it like almost like hits you three times, just bam, bam, bam into your armor. You kind of almost get the impression he's not going for your head. Like he's just trying to like subdue you because the damage that he's doing, it's almost like he's purposely using the weight of this flail to just batter you down. It comes in to get gets you for 20 points of bludgeoning damage altogether. And then you also have to make a, a wisdom save. No, I fail. Wisdom save because when he does that, he makes some sort of, you don't know if it's arcane or something. He says something and it sounds kind of like gnomish, but it wasn't a word you know. He blinds you as well. So he basically smacks you with this thing, does some sort of curse or something with the weapon, and you are blinded for now. And it's your turn.
3: <laughs> Hit me again. I skip my turn. <laughs> you do I get to save? save at the end of my turn? Yes, you do. Yep, I do just as bad.
1: You do just as bad? Okay. Hey, This time it's 21 points of bludgeoning damage. Nothing else fancy happening. So you're just basically bing, 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 just hitting your armor. He did actually crit on one of his hits, but you know, I know what you're wearing. It's your turn again. So you're just standing there, or I guess sitting there on this bench, as this flail just starts hammering into your armor.
3: I'll pull out, Destiny. You never really did tell me your intent, so should I show you the flat of my blade or the sharp end? And then I'll swing with disadvantage. 19 to hit. Oh, 19 hits. 15 points of damage. 21 to hit. Trip him with this attack. 20 points of damage. And he owes me a strength check. 16.
1: He does fast, yep. Wing it at you again.
3: Do I get the wisdom save again?
1: Yeah, yep. Hit you for 24 more bludgeoning. Bam, bam, bam. Just like this clanging sound echoing off the water.
3: Counter attack. And then Did I'll you roll really your check? Yeah, I failed. 15. 15 will miss. Well, that's a 14. That'll miss too. And then I'll bonus action. Second wind. 10 points of healing.
1: It's just this flail that keep, keeps hitting you as you are blinded. So you're not sure what, what's coming next. You know, he's sort of staggering around trying, trying to do something about it, but it's just like this relentless, like, hammer. Boom, 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 boom. That one was 28. Legend. He's pretty consistent. Keeps hitting you right around the same amount. Your turn.
3: Swing at him again. 19 to hit. 19 hits. And then I'll do uh menacing attack. 16 points of damage, and he owes me a wisdom save of 17. He got it. All right. And 23 to hit. 13 points of damage on that one. I will take my wisdom check. How about a 16?
1: Yeah, actually, that'll get you out of it. So light comes back. You see this flailing. You know, It's like this green sphere as he just moves around, whipping this thing, just spinning it like a whirlwind or something. Go ahead and make a wisdom saving throw. Four. You see sort of like the flail almost has a weird glow to it, like a, like a moonlit glow. And when that happens, his eyes kind of take that on as well. And again, he says something in this gnome-like language, but it just doesn't sound right to you. And you are now frightened. So he's just kind of keeping you beaten down a little bit as he keeps just hammering you with this thing. Swings again.
3: That wasn't his action.
1: Uh Uh-uh. So another thing that, you know, as this is happening to Merc, he still, it seems, is not going for, like, a killing blow. He is just trying to beat you down. He gets you for 17 more points of damage. You know, that sort of flash where he was scary, he kind of brings... You still are affected by the whatever effect he just did, but he does say, just put your weapons down and you can go without more
3: trouble but it's your trouble are you i actually will just uh start backing up moving towards the river closer um i'll do the disengage action
1: he's gonna try to fo- follow up here are you looking to like get to the river
3: i mean i'll back up the 30 feet or whatever
1: so we'll put you put you there like the next turn you'll be right on the edge of the river and again, he comes, pushes in. He's going to swing again. I would
3: have gotten the save, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, sorry. Go ahead and take the save.
3: I got an eight.
1: Um, yep, still frightened. 18 points of damage. Another, he just comes in and just keeps pounding. If he gets a chance, he just, like, hits you in the back or the chest. Like, he's just bam, bam, bam. You're almost feeling like your teeth are loosening. You know, you just it's just this constant whirlwind of metal slamming into
3: you what is your turn standing right on the edge of the water you will tell me nothing i would rather die and i step off into the water i go and tell him about chest deep.
1: well you i mean if you jump into the water you're like you're you're floating pretty fast it'll bring you
3: south like I mean I don't realize, but like I would go like is it just like a sheer drop? Would I I Yeah, would kinda.
1: Yeah. Like you'd be jumping into the water and just be it'll carry you south.
3: Yeah, I'll just jump into the water and then try to power my way back to the, the shore.
1: Go ahead and make a uh athletics check with this advantage. Fourteen you swallow a lot of water and you kind of run into a few floating obstacles but nothing nothing that does any real damage to you kind of thing especially with your armor but you end up effectively finding a piece of driftwood and it brings you far enough you know and again the river's relatively quick here they have you know different ways in which to sort of speed it up because of the logging and right now that it's pretty fast and so you float down river pretty quickly, and then you kind of hit a little jetty that's sitting out. And when you, know, you land up on this little piece of sand that's poking up far enough, you're not drowning or anything like that. You're pretty beaten down from this flail that just battered you. You hear a voice, and you look up, and Segetha, the high orc, that was the forgest that, that uh, created the invitation is standing there with dinner and they've got a couple of casks that they pulled out of the water and they basically pull you up out of the water as well. All right. So you guys are leaving the party.
4: You're looking for Merck.
3: Merck, where are you? We're finished here. I think I'll have to meet you back at the hideout.
4: It's going to look right. everybody and says, we need to meet him back at the hideout. I don't know what happened. All right, so everybody heads
1: back to the Watery Mink. There's no trouble getting across the bridge if you wanted to. You know, like, you're coming from Venice Legum, so they don't necessarily question too hard. And they remember you, Zan. Sure. Wood's End is kind of having their own parties tonight. You know, there's a lot of drinking going on in the streets and stuff, and it's a lot sort of more lowbrow, you know, a lot of joking, and the it's more like street performers that you see as you move through. You could smell the wood mill clearly, you know, sawdust in the air sort of thing as you go by. smells much better than the fish markets. When you get to the watery mink, Logan, you know, this guy seems to be perpetually at work, right? Like he has, you have yet to see him take a break or another bartender turn up. And when you get there, Merck is actually in the bar. Like they kind of got back there faster than you did. And rather than going down into the place, they actually stop for a second and you've got Sagatha and dinner, and then a very wet merc who
4: looks like he's had a bad night. Xan yeah, will rush over and heal him if he looks wounded.
3: I just hold up my hand. Nothing a night's your ass won't fix. What happened? Uh, a gnome named Penryn. Do you know who this person is? No does anybody here do? I look at Segura and Dinner in particular. Inrin.
1: Dinner says, I think that I have heard of him. I think that he's a bounty hunter of sorts. Does that
4: add up for you?
3: Drag him down here and beat him, but we got bigger fish to fry.
4: How was he able to find you?
3: I don't know.
4: And what's to stop him from coming down here and finding you again?
3: Well, assuming the talking head you have to have the token to get past it right now look at the two the high orcs right will
4: he so, be safe in the secret part of the bar
3: I think she's saying Logan do you have any more tokens for somebody to rob you from
4: no that won't be a problem one thing that I would
1: say is that you know Cody's not going to let anybody down into his place and I don't really have a whole lot of say
4: in such things it's not up to me we don't want to bring danger to your doorstep
3: They're smugglers. I think they think it's part of the charm.
4: Logan
1: just shrugs it off and says, You best be getting that cargo downstairs, don't you think? And the two orcs look at each other because they're literally, like, sitting on the kegs. (laughs) (laughs) And, Holg, you you know, you you recognize that as soon as they start moving. Like, they've got your kegs.
4: Okay, all four of them? Yep. Good. All right, we'll help them bring them downstairs.
1: Go down, and they show a token and it tells you to go left until you can't anymore and everything sort of seems different each time you keep taking lefts, but the it's not always the same hallways again you walk up on a this time there's a door that's off to the side and it's wide open and you can see that there's a stair going down and there is again this light coming up and some sort of heads in the walls and the two high orcs are like well that's new
4: thank you for listening to this episode of d4 on the floor please check out our d4 on the floor website at d4onthefloor.com that's the letter d the number four on the floor.com for more great gaming content Etc., etc.,
0: etc. Nice. Mm
5: -hmm. I don't know about that, etc. part.
4: Yeah, we'll cut that. It's fine. I will (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll just I'll do this the theme song and then just cut back to him saying, etc., etc., etc. Let me look at my
1: notes real quick and see if I could find anything interesting to say about an alleyway.
3: (laughs) We are a herd of geese. We're off. Watch out for the snake birds. I'm sorry, what? snake birds, you know, because they got that crazy neck, and it lashes out like a snake.
0: Snake birds. Yeah.
1: Good gosh, there's a lot of math involved here. Let's see.
0: (laughs) Well, hopefully I got something target related.
4: Would that be something of Lucan's, though? Since we're trying to teleport to him, I don't know if that matters. Teleport to my pants. Is that a range thing?
5: Uh, Yeah, it's uh, 120 feet.
1: Cool. This is a really big room. You can't get it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He's 121 feet away. No. (laughs) Perfect. Hello. There you go. That was my version of auto tuning. Mm
5: -hmm. Hello. Is it me you're looking for?